if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings. We're going to be reading 1 Kings chapter 19. And as always, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 19. And if you found it, you can say amen. Of course, you can't use your phone, so you must have your physical Bible there. I know some of you have got big, massive Bibles that look like concordances um, that you're turning through right now. If you're there, say amen. Let us know that you have found 1 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to read verses 1 through to 5, and it reads as follows. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And verse 5. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Arise and eat. I don't know if many of you are aware or not aware, but this week here in the UK, this week that we have just begun and that we are going into is Mental Health Week here in the UK. And so today I wanted to do something a little bit different in that I wanted to speak to you on the topic mental health as a Christian. Mental health as a Christian. Typically when people hear the words mental health, the common thinking is to think towards the negative. But mental health, just like physical health, in that one can have good physical health and bad physical health, it's exactly the same. Someone can have good mental health or good mental well-being and someone can have bad mental health to the extreme that it is referred to as mental illness. Now, the whole topic of mental health and well-being has become a popular one in today's society because we are seeing a rise in number of people dealing with aspects such as anxiety, depression and stress. And we're seeing this creeping into the life of many, including those within the churches, across the nation and across the globe. The reality is we are all prone to a number of tendencies and triggers that could lead to mental illness in the same way that an accident, an incident or our lifestyle can affect our physical health. Now, just to give you some context to the scripture that we just read a moment ago, a few verses prior to what we just read, we see Elijah, a mighty man of God in one scene, casting down fire on 450 prophets of Baal. To the extent that he is showing off, he is mocking these prophets and their so-called God that they serve. He's asking, where is your God? Is he sleeping? Is he not going to defend you? He's confident, he's bold, he's casting down fire 
on the prophets of Baal. But when the word gets to Jezebel, Elijah finds himself running. And not just that, he runs to a cave, leaves his servant, isolates himself, finds himself in this cave wanting to die. In one scene, mighty man of God on fire, casting down fire on the prophets of Baal. In the next scene, running from one woman and wanting to die. Elijah, like many of us can relate with, had good days and bad days. You know the good days when you feel on top of the world, but you also know the bad days too, when you just feel like you are done trying. Elijah, like many people can identify with, can be of good cheer one day and go back to the reality of their challenges the next day. And we see from the scripture that Elijah had some deep, dark days. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4, he says, I am no better than my father. In other words, he begins to wallow in self-pity, which again, many people, even people who may be watching me this morning, can identify with. And he gets to the point where he becomes suicidal. Elijah, of course, when he is in this cave, he hears a voice ask him, what are you doing here? And we all know that whenever God asks a question, it is a rhetorical question. When God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, but more so it's because he wants to bring to our attention where we might be, not just physically, but where we might be mentally. And there are a number of things we can learn from the encounter that Elijah had with the angel of the Lord that we can apply to our lives to promote mental well-being. And today, I want to share five of those things with you. Turn with me, please, to the book of 1 Kings, once again, so stay in 1 Kings, chapter 19, but turn with me and look at verses 11 and 12. 1 Kings 19, 11 and 12. It says, Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rock in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still small voice. Here's the first thing that I want to say to you to encourage you when it comes to your mental well-being. Here's the first thing I want to say to you. Change your environment often. Change your environment often. It is so important that you get a change of environment often where you can have time with God to hear his still small voice, just like Elijah did, even in the midst of all the chaos going on around him. Sometimes that can be a holiday, sometimes it can be a weekend away, a day away, an hour to yourself. Sometimes this could be at the park, at other times this could be at the seaside. Either way, a change of environment can provide rest and allow you to meditate on God's word and find rest in him. Now I know that many of us may be looking forward to getting away at some point in the future, maybe some of you are not. 
But we all know that during these difficult times, it's not possible. So we are forced to be creative with what we can do in order to help our mental well-being. Whether that's using the opportunity we've been given to do exercise, which is now unlimited, to go for a walk, to get some fresh air, to reflect, to pray. Yes, you can't go on holiday, but you can be creative with what you can do. And even if you're unable to leave your house, do you know research has shown that just shifting things around in your environment, just changing the layout of your room, some of you need to tidy up your room anyway. The amount of things you've got lying around that you're trying to use lockdown as an excuse. Don't try to use lockdown as an excuse. There's a saying that a messy room is a messy mind. So we're seeing now your mind in physical play in your room, okay? So you need to tidy up your environment, shift things around, work in a different room where you can. All of those things research has shown can make a difference to your mental well-being simply because you have decided to change your environment. Now, mental well-being is like a scale. So when grief, when anxiety and challenges hit, you have to balance the other end of the scale with things that support your mental well-being. So please, please, please do not overlook these things that may sound little, but make the utmost differences. Number one, change your environment often. Here's the second thing I want to say to you this morning. Eat well and eat right. Eat well and eat right. Look at verses 5 to 7 of First Kings chapter 19 with me. It says, Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a Jaffa cake, sorry, was a cake, baked on coals on a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. Do you know that the angel of the Lord actually asks Elijah, or rather should I say before he even asks Elijah, what are you doing here? Before he even talks to Elijah about the next steps and where he's going and where he wants to take him, the angel of the Lord decides to do what? feed Elijah. Why does he do that? He does that because meeting a physical need in terms of eating well and eating right plays a big part in your mental well-being. We know that our physical well-being is linked to our mental well-being. This is why I've never understood those colleagues, you know those colleagues who bring the hard food into the office for lunchtime? The like the swallow the you know the 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 hard food into the office at lunchtime. You know who I'm talking about. They smell up the kitchen when they use the microwave in the office, and all your colleagues are like, "What's that? What's that that you're making?" And they can eat that food back at their desk and continue working as normal. I don't know how those people do it because I know, like many of you, that if you eat a heavy meal at lunchtime, you're not going to be able to concentrate. For the rest of the afternoon. Some people might even fall asleep. Why? Because we know that our mental well-being is impacted by our physical well-being. They are interlinked. I hope you're not that person, by the way, that brings in that hard food into the office that smells up the kitchen. Okay. I don't know how people do it, but I do know 
that of course eating during lockdown has been a challenge for many of us. I included myself, us, for many of us, I know that. However, if we remind ourselves of the importance when it comes to feeding the body, of eating well and eating right, and the importance that our physical well-being has on our mental well-being, perhaps we can be a little bit creative in our food in order to promote mental well-being. After all, the Bible tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Lord and that our bodies belong to him. Change your environment often. Eat well, eat right. Here's the third thing. Number three, get rest. Someone say get rest. Someone say hashtag get rest. Look at Genesis chapter two with me and verses one through to three. It says, thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Isn't it interesting how scripture goes out of its way to mention that God blesses and sanctifies the seventh day and how God rested on the seventh day? Isn't it interesting that scripture goes out of its way to tell us that? Now question, why did God rest? Because he was tired? Of course not. We know that we serve a God who never sleeps nor slumbers. So why does scripture go out of its way to tell us that God blessed the seventh day and rested on it. I think that it does that because God wanted to give us an example to follow and that we ought to take time from time to time to get rest and to find rest in our schedules. And many a times in the scripture, we see Jesus separate himself from the crowd. He would go to a desolate place. He would withdraw and pray. And we ought to learn from that. Now, again, I know that can be difficult during these times, but again, we can still learn to get rest in the middle of everything that's happening in and around us, just like Jesus did. When you read Matthew chapter 8 and verse 24, we see that Jesus is sleeping in the middle of a boat in the middle of a storm. How is he able to do that? Well, first of all, he had to do that because he was flesh at that time okay yes we know he was God but he was God in the flesh and because he was in the flesh because he was in physical form he still needed to get rest to be able to do what he needed to do so irrespective of the circumstances he still took a moment in the boat to sleep in the middle of a storm now listen to me your boat might be a crowded house your storm might be family at loggerheads it might be your children making noise. But guess what? In the midst of your boat and your storm, you still have to learn, like Jesus, to find a window to rest. And it is clear from the word of God that rest is respected and required of us. Would somebody put in the comments right now, hashtag get rest. Don't get rest now because you're watching the sermon, but make sure you factor in rest in to your schedule here's the fourth point i want to give to you this morning it's simply three words 
Talk to someone. Talk to someone. You know, we live in a generation where it's fashion to make people work before we decide to be open up with them. Now, I understand that we have to learn to trust people before we can talk. However, some of us, we have close friends and we still beat around the bush with them when it comes to being open. Now, I know that it was an angel of the Lord that Elijah was dealing with, but at least Elijah was open when he was asked, what are you doing here? In his response as to where he was physically and mentally, but also he was honest in that when you look at verse 10 and verse 14 of 1 Kings chapter 19, he gives the same answer twice. He is honest. He is open. We know that talking has been shown as a form of therapy. And the chances are, is that you have friendships and people around you who are more than capable of handling what you have to share. Because the chances are, they know someone who has been there. They themselves are there. And with that said, can help you through your challenges. So I want to encourage you, in order to promote good mental well-being, talk to someone. And listen, talking to someone doesn't mean having a rant on social media. That's not what it means, okay? Talking to someone doesn't mean I'm going to be an attention seeker. Talking to someone doesn't mean I'm going to make you work to be a mind reader and then I'm going to complain that you didn't push me to talk. No, it's about learning to talk because there is freedom in talking. I was reflecting this week about this time last year, close to this time last year. It was June last year that I found myself in a place where I was mentally fatigued. I could not remember anything. I would literally look at a piece of text, look up and I would forget what I was reading. I would talk to people and two, three minutes later, ask them a question and they would look at me and be like, I just said that a few moments ago. I couldn't remember anything. And I thought I am too young to be losing my memory. Something is going on here. Something is not right. So I decided that I was going to talk to someone. And I decided to reach out to a friend of mine, Dr. Robbie Sundarega, and um, he's a clinical psychologist. And he said, listen, I'm going to recommend that you go down to this clinic in Victoria and have your mind looked into. And I remember going down to this clinic and they said, OK, we're going to put all these wires on your brain at to wear this cap. And they put some gel on it. You females know what I'm talking about. And um, they wired me up to this machine. And I remember the woman saying, we're going to look at your thinking patterns and see whether, you know, your thinking patterns are affecting um, your mental well-being and making you feel fatigued and so on and so forth. And then a few minutes later after that, I remember her just looking at me and saying, we can't actually assess anything because your brain is so fatigued. It doesn't have the energy for us to even look at your thinking processes and she showed me this map and she said you see all these areas of blue this is where your brain is tired she gave me an analogy she said it's like you came here to to query what's wrong with your window wipers but we can't even check that because the engine isn't starting she said the way your brain looks like and the lack of energy that you have in your mind is somewhat reminiscent of someone who's faced 
um, PTSD, someone who, um, you know, who's faced some trauma, somebody who's like, you know, really in grief. And then she said to me, this is the kind of thing we see really with people who do very stressful work. She asked me, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. She said, oh, makes sense. And so with that, there was a couple of solutions. She thought it could either be the lack of sleep that I was getting that was catching up with me, or it could be something referred to as leaky gut syndrome. Hence why I said that the physical well-being has a part to play with the mental well-being, because if it was leaky gut syndrome, what she was saying in essence was that my body is not digesting the vitamins it needs to get to my brain, and therefore my brain isn't able to function as it should be. Thankfully, it was sleep, and in getting sleep, it helped revive my memory. But guess what? What I just shared with you was a combination of exactly everything that I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to get rest. I'm asking you to look after your physical well-being. I'm asking you to talk to someone because I would not have been able to get to the conclusion of what I was dealing with unless I decided to talk to someone. So would you go ahead again and put in the comments, talk to someone. You don't need to have a social media rant, you don't need to be an attention seeker to promote your mental well-being. Find trusted people that you can talk to. With that said, we also know that one of the best ways to promote good mental health is to be your brother's keeper. And isn't it funny that God has a sense of humour in that he will send you to help people who have no clue that you are dealing with the same challenges or the same struggles. He will send you to people who may be asking the same questions that you are asking. And let's be honest, isn't it somewhat edifying when you learn to help others and be there for others in that it takes things of you and sometimes even gives you answers and clarity? And so if anxiety and depression and all these mental health challenges are arising in the church, amongst our friends, amongst family, then we must treat and look out for others in the same way you would like to be looked out for. Check up on people, love on them, because you just never know what someone is going through. And this is why, unfortunately, suicide takes us by surprise. Because we thought the people were okay, because they were smiling. But we didn't know that that smile was just a cover-up for how they were truly feeling. I mentioned at the beginning of this sermon that the theme, sorry, I mentioned that this week rather is Mental Health Week here in the UK. And the theme for Mental Health Week here in the UK this week is kindness, kindness. And that's interesting because John chapter 13, verse 35 says, it's by the love we have for one another that people will know that we are his disciples. Not the scripture you can quote alone, but your genuine love for one another, which we know from scripture should not be expressed in words alone, but in our actions, in our deed. And finally, last, but certainly not the least, as we've been talking about mental health as a Christian today, as we've been talking about, you know, talking to someone, getting a new environment often, as we've been talking about eating well and eating right, as we've been talking about getting rest. The fifth and final thing, drum roll, is this. Take it to God in prayer. 
take it to God in prayer. There's a famous hymn called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And the lyrics go something like this. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. And what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. No, I'm not going to sing it for you. Some of you are singing it in your head. I'm not going to sing it for you. That's not my ministry. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. When it comes to matters of the mind, I want to tell you, never neglect the power of prayer. If you can believe for healing in your physical body, you can believe for healing in your mind where you need healing in the mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 tells us that we get to cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When you read Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, it tells us when putting on the armor of God that the helmet represents salvation. Why? Because the enemy will play with your mind and the enemy will make you feel guilty for feeling the way you do because you have mental challenges. And I want to say to you, if you are listening to me and you do have some challenges that you're dealing with mentally, that you are no less of a believer or a weak Christian because you face these challenges. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let anyone lie to you. Listen, Elijah was mighty, yet he still had his challenges. I want you to know, each and every one of you that are listening to me, that you are saved and through the power of salvation and the pulling down of strongholds, you can be made well of any mental challenges that you may be currently facing. And I want you to stand strong on 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, which says, God did not give you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I want you to take the steps that I've given you this morning to take care of yourself and take care of others. Don't be afraid if you feel that you need to get professional help. Be the believer who believes in the spiritual and the practical. Be the believer who gets the balance of the both. Not just one end, I'm just going to do this spiritually and not get the help that I need. Not just the person who says I'm going to get the help that I need, but I'm not going to believe about winning this battle spiritually. Get the balance right so that you can be well and made well in Christ, in Jesus' name. Let's all take a moment where we are, just to put our hands on our head and say, Lord, I thank you, because you did not give me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I thank you that I can cast down every argument, every negative thought, every suicidal thought, every evil thought, according to the power of Christ Jesus in me. Therefore, I take victory over my mind. I take victory over my mental health. I take victory over my mental well-being. And I pray that even as I do so, I will be my brother's keeper and look out for them that they may also be made well. In Jesus' name, we have prayed.